Hey, I'm Angie. And I'm Emily. Being a creative person in the corporate space can be really tough, and we should know. Join us to talk about how to be a right brain in a left-brained world. It's The Artist at Work. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking about something a little, um, we're kind of going to be doing a a meta creative exercise ourselves. So uh, indulge us, if you will. At my work, every Friday, there is a Slack channel with a question that has nothing to do with work itself. And it's just sort of a fun, you know, think on your feet, get to know you kind of icebreaker thing, which is as much as I balk at those a whole lot, it's been pretty fun to participate in them, especially virtually to get to know my coworkers. And today's question is the inspiration for our topic of the day. And that question was, if you weren't working in marketing, what would you be doing? And this is not to say, what would you want to be doing? Would you like to be a a rock star or a professional athlete? This is what would you be doing if you did not choose the career path that you had chosen? So I got to thinking about it a lot. And um, Angie and I talked a little bit about it. So Angie, what would you be doing if you did not, uh, had you not pursued this line of work? So when you asked me that initially, I was like, ah, no clue. Cause this was the only thing I thought. Sure. I didn't know what, you know, a graphic designer did or um, visual communication was, or what a career coach was all of that. Didn't know any of that, but I knew I'd be in the creative field, right. Since I was a little girl. So the more I think about this though, I guess I have to go back to like, what was I good at in high school? Because I think that's what I would have based it on, right? Sure. If it wasn't like something that was, you know, in you innately that you knew you were going to pursue, I think I would have gone back to like, what stood out? Where did I get A's? Like what came really natural to me in high school? And when I think about that, I know what it wasn't. (laughs) It wasn't Spanish. (laughs) That was hard for me. It wasn't... um, advanced math. I really had to work at that, but it was, I was really good at creative writing or so I was told like the yearbook. I did that too. Um, I really enjoyed that creative process and telling stories. And then I also really liked the science courses and that all always made sense to my brain. So if I were going to pursue one of those passions, I would have, you know, gone into school I guess for one of those. But what's funny about those two examples in particular is that when I got to college, my freshman year, I took a creative writing class as well as biology. Creative writing, I did not get great grades. I figured it out, you know, so it kind of makes you think about like, was your praise situational? Were you good in context to the others around you, or were you actually good at something? And I think it's just a funny thing to think about. And I hadn't thought about it at all for years and years about this class. And I get to college and I really struggled with this creative writing class. And I couldn't understand why my skills from high school weren't translating. And again, I think it it could be subjective, right? But no one else seemed to have issues with this. So would I have actually pursued creative writing or a writing career? Probably not. And then same with science. I was super excited to take this biology class. It was all about birds, funny enough. You know, it was a strange particular course. 
I don't love birds to be clear, but I had to drop it. I couldn't pass a test. And a student, Angie, couldn't pass a test. Like that was shook my whole being. So I dropped that and clearly wouldn't have pursued science because I couldn't pass a general course. So all of that to say, I guess I couldn't have based where I would land on my high school education because the things that I excelled at that weren't art wouldn't probably wouldn't have panned out. But if I think about my experience now and everything I've gone through, I could see how I could be really great at an operations role, organizationally running things, keeping things in order, like running a, like a tennis club. I would kill that job. And maybe that would have come up, I guess. I could have became a tennis instructor and then eventually ran a gym. That would make a lot of sense to me, but that was super all over the place. But I don't know. What do you think? I'm it's funny. I, before I answer, I, it's it's funny that you say like sort of operations jobs are, are where you may have landed because you started out talking about very like purely academic pursuits or at mm-hmm. least subjects that we learned as young students, right? You learn writing, you learn science, you learn art, you learn math, but there's not an operations class, you know, right. there isn't a class. But, and I think that I, I have heard over the years, you know, a lot of people our age and younger and older, and probably everybody has a similar sort of gripe. Like there's a lot of stuff you don't learn in school that then can turn into a full career. There isn't a class about how to be a CPA. There's a math class, but there's no class on how to build a a budget for yourself. Mm -hmm. There's no class about like how to make sure that your dental insurance renews itself. It's all of these sort of adult things that that come up that we didn't know existed. Right. Which I think is really interesting. I can see you having like an operations role. I have seen you have operations roles in the past. (laughs) Right. You're very good at it. Your brain works in a way that mine does not. Um, As far as that's concerned, I don't understand process at all. And that's a gift, but it's something that you had to learn that you were good at informally and not academically. Yeah. And I mean, those sort of, that sort of role lines up with my personality too, right? I like order. I like to, I like to be in charge. I like there to be a process. So whipping something into shape feels good to me. So, I mean, I play tennis at this club right now. That's a a park district club. And I say all the time, like it's a mess, like booking a court time is a mess coming in. There's like all these arbitrary rules that don't make any sense. There's no communication. It's like all over the place. And I say all the time, I could whip this place into shape. As we know, as we've talked about, I was the kid who was always carrying around career advice books um, (laughs) through my lower school as though I were like little miss career counselor, just ready to tell everybody what they were, what color their parachute was to steal from a title of one of those famous books. And, you know, certain ideas of careers always appealed to me. Like the idea of being an architect was like very appealing to me because like buildings are beautiful and like all of the stories that happen inside of those buildings are beautiful and making something with your, you know, I kind of at the time thought it was like making something with your hands and not like using AutoCAD to like build a building, but the, the skills necessary to be an architect are not ones that I possess. You have to, that's an engineering math. job. It's, it's an so engineering job. I can't yeah. do that. Um, I was pretty good at math just because it's sort of like, there was something comforting to me about that, but I always like really missed, 
you know, using my, my right brain. Um, I, at work right now, I'm having to, to manage a new discipline and have said to so many people over the last couple of weeks that like, I am missing the left hemisphere of my brain entirely, um, which is true, but I would carry around books about, you know, architecture. Or I I remember asking my mom, like, I think I want to be an urban planner. What is that? And she was like, it's like, you know, p- figuring out like I thought because I liked cities, you know, so I thought that I was I would like just build a city you know, according to my whims and my creative desires when in fact there couldn't be anything like less. I, I, I'm not going to say it's not creative, but it's just it wasn't the creativity that I was expecting it to be. I think maybe if I hadn't gone into, you know, again, as this question was positioned marketing and like I work in sort of content and, and comms and marketing and that kind of stuff now. I may have tried to go into journalism and very quickly burned out um, because I don't have the grit that one needs to be a successful journalist. Again, in college, I tried to change my major to journalism because I liked magazines, not because I wanted to report on the hard hitting news of the day. I remember the several quarters where I did work on the newspaper staff and I was on the city desk and so had to report on like local elections And the motivated kids on that newspaper staff loved doing that. And I was like, this? When I was in high school, I was the editor of the opinions page at our newspaper. And so I sort of, that was my like entry into journalism was being given a full page um, to just write a column every month on whatever I wanted to write about, which was my dream when I was 18. And it's still my dream at 40. So that was sort of my like introduction to journalism as non-journalistic as that was. And so I thought that I could get a journalism degree and just be paid to have hot takes, which was not at all the case. So yeah, I don't know what I would be doing. I think I say this a lot, my, my dream career, I don't know if I would again have had the, the get up and go to really pursue this, but is to work in children's television. I am a, a huge supporter and fan of Jim Henson's entire empire that he built. And, you know, Sesame Street is such a foundational, important, critical piece of a lot of kids' lives, both now and former kids who are now in their 40s and 50s. I love the way that like, those programs in particular, and now a lot of other programs who sort of were inspired by that can be educational, but funny and not stupid and really smart and really empathetic and caring. And I think, and there's, there's such a like, um, hands-on tactile, creative aspect to a lot of that, Mm -hmm. that I think that I would have really thrived in an environment like that. That would have been my dream job. Do you think that has anything to do with being from Pittsburgh where Mr. Rogers was from? It's entirely possible. Um, Mr. Rogers was a big part of my childhood. I met him a couple of times. I, I, we used to have, this is cute. We used to have Christmas brunch with chef Don Brockett, um, who is <laughs> one of, one of Mr. Rogers's cohorts. It's entirely possible. And you know, the, 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 if you go to the Pittsburgh airport, there are like little tiny, like dioramas of like yeah. the Mr. Rogers neighborhood and the whole thing is really cute. Um, so maybe it's just really something that's always even as a, a young adult, even as a teenager, I, I never really totally outgrew how special I thought that children's television workshop and its ilk were. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about puppets? I like them. <laughs> so it's kind of funny how hard it was for us, though, to come up with good answers to this question, right? Like, yes, it's these. And I don't of, even know that I came up with a good one. But I think that, the, and, and that's funny too, right? Like these like kind of sleepover questions are a little bit funny to think about just in terms of like, 
you know, what if basically we're, we're doing a, a professional sliding doors for, for ourselves today. Yeah. Yeah. What if I don't, I'm not sure. And like, what if we hadn't gone to the college we went to, where would we live? Who would our friends be? How different would our life be just based on that one small decision? You know, like there's so many factors that, you know, change this. I'm reading this book right now called Midnight Library. Do you know it? The idea is uh, this girl's super unhappy. She commits suicide. Sad. But that's not the premise. That's not like the main focus of the book. What it is is she's living in this in-between land where she's given her book of regrets. And then she can go and live these different lives. So those sliding door moments, she can go and be like, what if I had married Dan? What if I had pursued professional swimming? What if I moved to the Arctic and studied glaciers? Like all of these things. And then she gets to see a slice of that life until it kind of disappears because she decides she doesn't like it or doesn't fit. So she sees how her choices and then impacted those around her. Is she still friends with her best friend? Is her brother alive? Is her dad alive? Like what's her relationship with her mom? So it's different each life based on her root life. It's, it's a really fascinating book. I'm only about halfway through it, but um, yeah, it's kind of that same concept of every actual decision impacts every other one. But there's also that whole thing about like, I have to imagine that I would have landed in a word processor for most of my professional life, no matter kind of which twists and turns had taken place. I think that I have ended up and would have ended up here, you know, where I need to be. I'm not good at a whole lot of things. There was no chance that I was ever going to turn into like a biophysicist. There was no chance that I was ever going to be a politician or a a teacher or anything that sort of, you know, I I have a a very, as Liam Neeson um, has told us before, I have a very limited or special or whatever he says, that (laughs) set of, I have a very specific set of skills. There it is. (laughs) And it's good for one thing. And unfortunately or fortunately, you know, it's treated me okay. I find it really annoying that I don't have more technical or specialized skills. I don't know how to fix anything. I don't know how to, I know how to make things up and that's it. And I use, I type it out. It's not, I don't have anything that's, you know, I can't perform surgery or fix a toilet, but I can, um, you know, diagram a sentence. Yeah. I think you have fixed toilets though. I totally, I can actually totally (laughs) fix a toilet. I've fixed many toilets in my life. Um, Well, I think you're discrediting yourself too, is that you are really crafty and creative in that way where you can, you can physically make things from with your hands. So you can make your little felt, felt flowers or beads or necklaces or earrings or whatever it is, or, you know, embroider a pillow like that. Those are skills. And a lot of people don't have the patience for that or the, or even the desire to use that as an outlet. So you do have skills there. That's a very funny point though. A, thank you. But B, it sort of makes me think about like the way in which we do value skills like that, because if we're not getting paid to do them, then I think we think less of them and we tend to discredit ourselves and Mm. the things that we've learned or even taught ourselves over the years because we're not paid money to do them. And that's probably a really damaging uh, way to think that has been, you know, beaten into our heads for several decades at this point. Yeah. Well, I think what you're speaking to is worthiness and how it's tied up in a salary or a job role. And that is really hard to unpack. And I think starting my own business, I'm unpacking that for myself, working with clients who are pivoting in their career or trying to get to the next thing. They're kind of unpacking that too. Cause they're like, what do I actually want? And it, 
you have to remove maybe the money piece or the title piece to figure that out for yourself. So I think that's a super interesting concept too. Well, that brings up kind of a, the, a second side to the same question, which is what would you do if you didn't have to work for money? I don't think I have a great answer for this, unfortunately. Sure. I, I think what it comes down to is like, I'm not a type of person who gets bored, so to speak. So I'm very, I can keep myself busy. I can read books. I can watch whatever. I can play tennis. I can work out. I can travel. I can have conversations with whomever. I'm a, a busybody. So I think if I wasn't working, I would find ways to fill my time very easily and probably still have a creative outlet and probably still want to use my leadership skills in some way that, you know, hopefully would benefit the community or my family or whatever it may be, but I'm not sure. And I think it would probably take a a year or two to figure it out of having that space and figure out what you actually crave and miss and where you want to contribute in a meaningful way. Because I do think you, at some point you're like, all right, what am I up to? Totally. Well, you did get to it at the end there. You, you know, absent everything else, you would still want to be making, you would still want to be leading. And I think that like, then that's sort of those things rise to the top. However, they, you know, if you're getting paid to do them or not, they're still really important to you. And they're things that you want to continue doing, you know, whether or not they're tied to salary. Right. What is it you think you would do if you didn't have to work for money? I mean, I'd say that I'd screw around on the internet more, but I I think that I've kind of reached capacity at that. So I don't know if that's possible. No, honestly, I would probably go back to school just because my self-led learning tends to follow pretty deep grooves that I've already established. And I would like to step outside of that particular path. Um, And I think that I would require some guidance to do so. There was a woman, uh, an an adult woman, who when I was an undergrad in college, everyone knew who she was because she audited. I mean, it seemed like she was auditing every single class and it was cool. And she just like, sometimes she'd like come, sometimes she wouldn't, but it was just a very like cash way to keep learning. And I think I would just like to be that lady and just kind of like show up to like, you know, a, a biology class and hear somebody talk about like why a butterfly looks like a butterfly. I would just kind of like to, to learn things outside of my own. And you've said stuff about this before, as far as like, you know, following people on social media who are outside of your sort of echo chamber. I think that I would um, try really hard to remove myself from the, the, the curation prison I have developed for myself. (laughs) Do you think you'd pursue a certain like degree or path? Like does something rise to the top there? I don't know. I think at the beginning I would probably just flounder and, you know, survey a bunch of stuff and then maybe find out that I really love, you know, maybe this is when I I find out that I am actually the urban planner I always wanted to be. (laughs) Who knows? And you make a new park across the street from you. Terrific. Good. Mm -hmm. Another place for donut to poop. The whole point about all of this, I think, I mean, it's sort of a loosey-goosey conversation, but it's a loosey-goosey concept. But, you know, we have talked so many times before about, you know, constraints being good for creativity. And so when we are asked or when we ask an open, a question that is as open as this and say, you know, you have nothing but possibility, what do you do? It's really hard to come up with an answer. Yeah. It's, you almost feel like suffocated. You're like, well, well, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Uh huh. We're lucky to be thankful for the paths that have brought us to the careers where we, you know, where we are today, I guess. 
Yeah. And I think we're both lucky for it to feel so innate. Like it was something that we kind of both knew and followed in our gut. And thankfully that brought us on these paths and to each other even. Totally. Um, Whereas other people I think do kind of bounce a little bit more along their, you know, change majors a bunch of times, try a career, go to law school and end up a teacher, whatever it is. And I think those are different learning paths, but I'm, I'm thankful to be on my creative journey. Yeah. Ditto. And I think that we've both been, you know, pretty privileged and pretty lucky to, to be able to explore what we've wanted to explore. Absolutely. But, and I don't, I don't feel any like regret about the path that I pursued too. Um, but it is just sort of an interesting creative exercise to think, you know, what if I were Gwyneth Paltrow on that subway and then ended up with a very unfortunate short haircut? Um, <laughs> who's to say? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That haircut was really fucking cute. <laughs> so this week, think about this question for yourself. What would you have done if you didn't pursue the career path you're on? Or if you think about yourself as a middle schooler or high schooler, what did you love and why? And was it course related or was it like something you kind of felt in your bones, right? That operations thing I have that comes from my leadership and my need for organization and frankly control probably. Um, (laughs) So maybe that was always in me. I just didn't have the vocabulary. Yeah. Maybe just look outside of your, you know, immediate sort of expertise and your trusted sources of education and think about like, Hey, what if I did take a class about butterfly wings? It might be kind of cool. Yeah. All right. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Artist at Work. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Instagram and Twitter under the handle at artist at work pod. And our website is theartist-atwork.com. We'll see you next time.